Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, non-binary chums out there. Uh, welcome to episode two of the Scottish Games Network podcast. Uh, thank you so much for all of the feedback and help and insights and input that you gave us on issue one, which came out a whole week ago. God, it doesn't seem like it. Uh, so here we are back again. We're, we're going to assault your earbuds, earballs. No, ears. No, that's ears wrong. Please, please never say earballs again. Whatever they are, we're assaulting them. Whatever <laughs> it is, you're going to be assaulted over the next 45 minutes. So welcome back to the SGN podcast 002. I'm Brian. I'm Ryan. Uh, I'm Andrew. Okay, so gentlemen, um, why don't you fill us in on what you've been doing this week? What have you been watching, playing, listening to? Ryan, over oh, to you first. I've, I've made the very, very stupid decision to go back to Dark Souls. Uh, I'm in Dark Souls 3 now. It's the first time I've went through it. And um, yeah, no, it's just been kicking my ass, if I'm honest. <laughs> like, There's not much else to say about it. Um, it's exactly what you'd expect. I'm loving every minute of it, but it's frustrating as all hell. What's your history with Dark Souls? What have you? So Dark Souls. So Dark Souls One was my. No, Dark Souls Two was my first game, and I played that. I played Scholar of the First Sin, and got a a decent ways through that after bouncing off of it. And my mate being like, "Oh, you need to do this, this, and this, and that'll make everything a lot better." And then fell in love with Bloodborne. Like Bloodborne was. What up there with one of my favourite games of the last gen or current gen? Are we still calling it current gen or is it last? Anyway. Whatever you've got at the moment, let's yeah. be honest. Um so yeah. <laughs> fell in love with Bloodborne after it took me about three years to beat the Cleric Beast. Uh, which is case uh, just for a bit of an example. The first boss in the game, I just didn't get what I was meant to be doing. <laughs> and I, I I played it. Played a little bit of it, really enjoyed it, and I was like, oh, this is really tough, but I think I'm going to be able to make my way through it. Got to the Cleric Beast, and it would just flatten me. And I was like, right, okay. And I did that a couple of times, and I'd be like, nah, I'm done with this. And I'd put it down for months on end, and then come back to it. Months on end, then come back to it. And eventually, I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to start a new character. And I started a new character and beat it like on my second or third go. And I was like, I don't, I don't understand why I couldn't do that the first time around. But yeah, did that. Um... And back in August, I started Dark Souls 1, so I'm doing everything way out of order. Um, so I started Dark Souls 1, and I, it came at a perfect time, actually, because I just moved flat and I didn't have any internet for about a week. So I just played Dark Souls, and that was the way to stave off the boredom yeah. and just properly immerse myself in that world. And now I'm just going back to it with Dark Souls 3, which some people would call me an idiot. I'd agree. Like... It's nothing but misery and despair, <laughs> but I love it. Glutton for punishment. Yeah, I don't know what that yeah. says about me. I think you did that in the hardest possible order. Because I, I think that 2 is considered maybe the hardest one. Am I right in saying that? Possibly, yeah. Like, I remember being stuck for ages on a boss that was like three giant sort of suits of armor. Like, you come into this room and they just sort of all come to life. And I remember speaking to yeah my mate that got me into the franchise, and he was like, "Oh yeah, they're they, oh they're not too bad, they're easy," and you know typical Dark Souls they're player awesome. response, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like Dark Souls Two was definitely tough, but yeah, do you know? I think Dark Souls Three is the one that gets you into it the quickest because you come out of the tutorial area, and the first thing you do is start a boss fight. And I was like, "Oh well, throw me right. in at the deep end, why not?" Well, and if ever there was a metaphor for Lockdown Three. 
you know, it's like horrible, nasty, evil killing things versus lone humans who are, uh, you know, struggling on the point of extinction. I think that's a fair, uh, a fair way to yeah. go. So fabulous. Thank you, Ryan. Absolutely, yeah. Andrew, what about you? Um, well, I've also been getting my butt whooped by a game this week, but the game is Apex Legends and the people who are whooping me are real humans <laughs> who are very good at this game. So I, I, I don't really play much multiplayer games at all, really. Um, but it's become, you know, kind of like Among Us or something like that. It's become just something I do to talk to my friends, essentially. But my friends are uh, very invested in Apex and they're all like level 200 or something. So when I join them in their squad, I'm getting put in at that level. And it's just hopeless, especially hopeless on this uh, laptop that can, you know, manage a solid frame rate sometimes. So um, it's been a bit of a struggle, but a game's really cool. Like at the, just that running around, that sliding, it all feels fantastic. So I'm at least uh, having a good time running away from bullets if I'm not <laughs> doing much else useful. Yes, um, I, so I, just sure. can't, I just can't even. I, I, I refuse to play games online because I have the reflexes of a 50-year-old. So this week, I, I yeah. have mostly been playing um, some fairly old-school adventure games on my mobile phone. Um, so Device 6, Space Age, Reigns, Erica, Unread, a whole lot of different, um, you know, narrative design type games and interactive branching storylines because it fits in with the, the module that I teach at Napier. So, uh, yeah, I, I've been settled in doing that. I can say I've mostly been doing it while I've also been attempting to watch The Expanse and The Mandalorian um, back to back just so that I can actually talk to some of my friends without them spoiling it. You know, I don't right. know why I haven't got round to watching Mando yet. Like, I am a massive uh, Star Wars fan. Actually, case in point, you guys have never met me in person, but uh, on my arm, there is a Millennium Falcon. Um, I love Star Wars arguably too much. And I've just not got round to it. My girlfriend's got Disney Plus, and I've just not done anything with it. And I don't understand why. Well, watch The Mandalorian. Don't bother with WandaVision. There you go. Excellent. Keep it Let's mind. call that done. Fabulous. So, on to the recap. This is where we take you through all of the fun and interesting things that have happened over the course of this week. So, it's been a busy, busy week, and an awful lot of kind of business news happening when it comes to the uh, when it comes to the site. So, I'm going to kind of combine three of the stories that, that came in, and then I'll come to you, Andrew, because you you wrote one of them. But we've had three different stories, all about business support and all about getting your business off the ground and helping it to grow. Yesterday, we published a story from uh, the team at Henderson Logie up in Dundee talking about their Start Your Own Games Business webinar, which is pulling in some of the key um, founders and entrepreneurs from across the Dundee games cluster, including Denki, uh, Ninja Kiwi, and I think Hyperluminal Games. Then we had uh, the Glasgow Creative Accelerator, which is open to creative businesses across the whole of the Glasgow area. And that's from the team at Elevator, who run Ed Incubators up in Aberdeen and Dundee. That's going to be a good one because really we need to see an awful lot more activity coming through in Glasgow. Um, it's not quite got the, the traction that uh, you know it has in uh, Dundee and indeed Edinburgh. So, you know, fingers crossed we see some good stuff coming out of that. And then finally, um, we wrote a piece about the Tentacle Zone, which is a new incubator yeah. for 
developers from excluded backgrounds, that's UK wide. But they, they made a special plea for, uh, for us to help um, get the story out across Scotland. So, Andrew, you spoke to them, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. It's really a terrific thing. And please, if you are in Scotland, uh, definitely, and you think you might be eligible, definitely check it out. Um, because it's essentially, it's giving you the kind of connections and relationships and advice from people inside the industry that you might take, you know, years to try to build up if you were doing it kind of naturally. Whereas this is giving you an opportunity to get right in with, um, you know, there's uh, Mediatonic there who, you know, develop Fall Guys. There's um, people from Marvelous uh, who are, you know, big worldwide publisher. There's like Chorus Games. These are like, and of, of course, Green Man Gaming as well being the big one from the UK. Um, I think it's just, you know, if you're if you're involved in this and you're working on your first game, you're going to get advice on it and you're going to get it in front of people who you would really, you know, you'd have to be really, really lucky to otherwise. Um, so it's certainly worth checking out, I would say. Yeah, and, and it's specifically calling for people from disadvantaged and excluded backgrounds. So basically anyone who's not a straight white male which has to be good because yeah. diversity in the <laughs> industry remains an issue and remains problematic. So Absolutely. if you're out there, check it out. We'll have all of the links to these stories in the show notes and you can recap everything on the Scottish Games Network. Tuesday, we announced our partnership and the launch of the brand new Playaway Festival which sounds like it's going to be absolutely incredible. And this is a brand new two week long festival of gaming organized by the lovely, lovely people at the Tinderbox Collective. And the Tinderbox are normally known for musical performances. Uh, they have an orchestra, they've done online um, performances, a whole bunch of things over the last few years. But uh, Lucy Holland, a friend of the show and uh, all round good person who we will be speaking to at some point in the very near future, really pulled all of this together to explore the influence and the inspiration that games are providing to other areas of the creative industries and indeed to society in general. So how they're impacting on education, how they're impacting on healthcare and mental well-being all of this kind of thing. So um, we're hoping that we'll be able to pull in quite a lot of the speakers, a lot of the panellists who are taking part in the show over the whole course of the two weeks. Um, kicking off with the entirely awesome Jane McGonigal, game designer, developer and gamification expert and indeed author. I'm reading her book again right now. Uh, what are you most looking forward to in the event? Um, Ryan? Yeah, so I'm looking forward to the chat that Ali Lowe is doing. It's part of the Games and Empathy mini-talks, which should be really interesting and diverse. Um, so we've got a handful of different speakers doing, well, talking about different topics within that broad umbrella, which, yeah, it should be really interesting. But of course, we've also got our lovely editor, Brian Baglow, host of the show, doing his own panel Oh damn it! I was going to say I was going to talk myself up, but that's okay. You can you can do it. It's, oh no, no, go for it. Ah, oh, fine. Talk about myself again. Ah, uh, I mean, right. if you insist, eh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So so I first found out about the festival when Lucy got in touch just to say that um, they were doing this, and would I host a panel looking at uh, games and well-being? So we've got a fantastic panel. We've got uh, Max from Glitchers, Alina from Yaldi Games. 
um, we've got Civic Digits, a whole bunch of people who are really, and Carla Brown from Game Doctor, obviously, um, who are all looking at games in contexts outside the mere entertainment and are starting to take things in, in very different directions from learning life skills through to recognising, you know, potential symptoms of dementia. So it should be really, really interesting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to being a part of it. Andrew. Um, well, obviously, Brian's panel sounds fantastic. Um, okay. But one I would like to recommend is one that I've actually taken part in before, which is the Bitsy workshop, the introduction to Bitsy. So this is run by Claire Morwood, who's part of the Biome Collective. And she did uh, a version of it at the end of last year, um, which I took part in. And it's if you've never had any experience making games before, which I certainly do not, it's just a really friendly, nice kind of chat with some like-minded people learning about how to use this kind of tool that is in your browser and anyone can make something. If I can make something, anyone can make something in a short amount of time. And then afterwards you get to share what you made and uh, see other people's stuff. Thoroughly recommend it. So definitely check out the Bitsy workshop. Fantastic. And again, we'll share all of the links to the, the Playway Festival um, in the show notes. And uh, yeah, we, we've actually been having arguments as to who gets to cover what as we as we go forward. Um, because there are so many cool things. And interestingly, uh, you know, we, we reported uh, a couple of weeks ago that um, the team at YoYo Games had been acquired by uh, Opera, the, the um, Scandinavian-based browser company. Um, and at the time, I did wonder, does this mean they might be taking Game Maker Studio into something that's more of a, you know, browser-based experience? So who knows? We might be seeing even more activity on that side of things coming out of Scotland in the near future. So moving swiftly on, um, we had a really fabulous in-depth piece look at a new game coming out of uh, Scotland's uh, Hyperluminal Games earlier this week. And Andrew, this was your piece. So tell us a little more about Cloud Jumper. Ah, oh, Cloud Jumper. It just it just makes your it just makes you feel calm just looking at it. I think you just one look at you and you, uh, I don't know. It's like a breath of fresh air. So Cloud Jumper is a kind of exploration game that they're working on at Hyperluminal, and the idea is that it's just supposed to be a nice relaxing time. You're driving around this tugboat in the sky trying to reconnect these islands that have become separated and as I say uh, a big part of its appeal is this kind of visual style that's a mix of sort of pixelated looking um, objects but in this sort of modern uh, really eye-catching sort of presentation so I was really interested how that kind of came about and luckily enough, Rob Madden from Hyperluminal was able to tell me in great detail kind of the, the various processes that go into making that lovely look. So, yeah. Um, yeah, if you want to know in more detail how that worked, please read the article. Yeah, delightfully retro, I think, is the way to look at it. But, yeah, um, absolutely. Fantastic. And then we, we touched on another new game that, that's already live on the YouTube channel, but that we'll be covering on the rest of the site as well. Um, and you mentioned it last week, Ryan, which is Dwerg Saga. Yeah. So have you, have you answered all the personality questions? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, so all 120 of them. Um, 
like we said last week, that's a real bold way to start a game for it, like, for you to boot it up for the first time. And it goes, nah, just just close this window, uh, follow this link, and go and yeah, answer 120 questions about your personality, and then take those answer, like take your results and throw them into this. So then we can make a clan of pseudo dwarves for you. Uh, it's really cool. Um, yeah, I've, I've rambled on about it last week, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. But essentially, the major selling point is that personality thing, where as the game goes forward, we'll see that individual members of your clan will react differently based on their own individual personalities. But yeah, I think I also described last week that Jock described it as Sims meets Minecraft, and that's a very great way to describe it in the sense that, yeah, like, you are looking after these people and they all do have their own needs and, like, they all interact with each other, but you're also trying to build a home and, like, resource gather and take, like, you know, go on adventures. And it's just really cool. Uh, anyone who is a fan of Dwarf Fortress is going to love it, I reckon. It sort of strips back some of that world building so you can focus more on your clan and on your dwarves as well, which... I think gives it a bit more focus. Fantastic. And the, and the interview that uh, you carried out with Jock is available on the SGN YouTube channel now. Yes, it went live at three o'clock on Wednesday. Um, so yeah, if you're listening to this at any point, it'll be live. So go check it out. Again, we'll give you the link at the bottom of the show. And then finally, tomorrow, Friday. So it's our regular fr- freelance Friday slot. So Ryan, who came out of the magic hat this week? So we've got uh, Andrew McKissick, um, a games writer. You might know him for his work on The Matrix Online and more recent titles, but we'll go into that in the article. Uh, Donna McAvoy, a 2D animator, who I looked at her her showreel on her website and I've actually embedded it in the article. So when you go and read that, you can see it. It's just really cool. I love her style and everything's quite stylized and quirky, but in a really cool way. And then notably, we... the only designer ever to send us an animated GIF to use on the freelance directory. So big shout out to Donna. Um, so around. Fraser Maitland, uh, who's a composer, who's worked with like PBS and the BBC and stuff, and has been classically trained. So some really cool stuff from him, and we've got links to his SoundCloud as well as like you know everyone who's mentioned in Freelance Friday. You'll have links to their personal social medias and examples of their work. So it's well worth giving him a listen. And we've got Matthew uh, Cormack, who has got 65 individual projects on his website, which is just mind-boggling. I think they date back to about 2007-ish. So, like, there's a massive variety. Uh, He uses Unity, HTML, and even Gary's Mod to make a variation of different projects. Some of his stuff's really cool. And I really look forward to people going and checking him out. Sweet. It's whoever you need, whatever you're looking for, there will be somebody out there that you can use locally. So do please check out the freelance directory and where you can give your business to somebody on your doorstep. And there's a lot of good people out there. So moving swiftly on, this week's big story. It's not quite as explosive as last week's when we talked about GameStop and the whole oh, manipulation for the betterment of mankind, or indeed the collapse of mankind, depending on which side of the fence you're on. This week, we're going to be talking about um, the world's favourite tech giant, Google, and the fact that Google Stadia has decided that it's no longer going to be developing games. So, Ryan, what's your take on this? 
Um, I think it makes sense. We were speaking about it before the uh, before the call and how they've decided they're going to start making games to compete with people who've been making games for years. And let's face it, it's never going to compete if you've got brand new game by someone you've never heard of versus the latest Assassin's Creed. The average consumer is probably going to go for that. And not only that, because they don't have the experience, are they competing? You know, with the people who do this for a living and have been doing it for years. Don't get me wrong, like, you know, that's how indie devs start and, you know, you've got to always give a chance to people and it's definitely worth taking a risk every now and again, but I don't always think it's the best business model for a big company to go, yeah, we can make games, because it's, yeah, it's not going to have the quick impact that they want it to have. Interesting. Interesting. I love it. Andrew. Yeah, I mean, I, I I feel exactly the same way. And in fact, Amazon have just done exactly the same thing. They, they When Amazon Studios launched, they had that game Crucible. It's like a, a multiplayer shooter. And it was in beta, came out of beta, and has since gone back into beta. And it's not looking good for Crucible, basically. So it kind of goes to show that it you can be the biggest company in the world with as much money as you possibly could have uh, to work with. But, you know, there's nothing, there's no... Um, uh what's the word um <laughs> you, you basically need the expertise of of the kind of years and years of development that someone like ubisoft has there's no substitute as for well. experience that's the one <laughs> the feeling um i and and you know even microsoft who obviously have their own studios their talk in recent years has been about moving more towards becoming a service and less of a platform making its own stuff so i think if you're a big company that's the move you want to be making not the developing the stuff yourself let the other people do that and then you make the money off of distributing it right yeah making so, games is hard work so i, I there's a couple exactly. of things let someone else do that there, there's a couple of things it's it reminds me of the the mid 90s where all of a sudden every media company in the world decided that it needed a games division and in the vast majority of cases, they jumped in, they set up a publisher uh, for, for gaming, they commissioned games, they worked with developers, and within 10 years, pretty much all of them had exited. You know, one that's very close to my heart was BMG, one of the world's largest music companies. And so they set up BMG Interactive and did exactly that. Now, on the one hand, it did kind of work out for them because out of that came Grand Theft Auto. And, you know, far, too few people remember that BMG was the original publisher way before Take-Two swooped in and actually bought the company when the music label decided that this games thing was hard. Um, but there's a kind of a counter example from slightly later on. Do either of you guys remember the Nokia N-Gage? Yes. <laughs> the look of astonishment oh. and total bafflement was just a joy. So the Nokia N-Gage was when Nokia, the mobile phone company... I yeah, remember it, Nokia. Uh, ...decided that they were going to make a phone which was primarily a games console. And they went out and, and they had more money than anybody at that point in time. And so they went out and commissioned a lot of really sort of top rank games companies to produce um, N-Gage titles based on big franchises, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog and so on and so forth. Yeah. And it didn't save the device because it was utter garbage. 
It's you had to hold it sideways to your head. It was called side talking. It looked like you had a Cornish pasty made of, you know, dark. <laughs> well, I, the screen was taller than it was wide, is right? As well, it, right? You had to, it was essentially like held covered it. in buttons. Yeah, yeah. It was it was roughly the, the, the same size and shape as a tackle. Um, and you had to hold it. So you, <laughs> you know, the, the flat edge was close to your head and it looked like a giant um, prosthetic ear. Um, anyway, I'm getting distracted. What Google seemed to have done is, is jumped into, as you said, Brian, you know, the, 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 what uh, Amazon did, which is imagine that if you're making a platform, you also have to, you know, make the, the content for the platform. And that's not usually the case. Um, there's been a lot of cynicism in the games industry about the idea of streaming games, but the reality is it's going to happen. You know, the games industry is notoriously bad at predicting what is and is not going to catch on. You know, I remember when Sony popped up and said, hey guys, I know we make console, uh, we make televisions and Walkman, but we're going to make a games console. And oh my, how the industry laughed. Um, turns out Sony did quite well with this whole games thing, um, as did Microsoft. But streaming games is going to happen. You know, Microsoft have had it working in Messenger for years now. You know, and the technology is moving in that direction. Servers are getting more and more ubiquitous. Broadband is getting faster. So there's no reason at all that you have to go to a shop and buy a disc in a box anymore. In fact, downloading is going to seem, you know, quaint and old fashioned within the next five years. Uh, all of which leads us very neatly on to our SGN sneak peek game of the week. So Ryan, what have you been looking at this week? So I've been playing a bit of Final Directive uh, by Lazy Monday. It's really cool. I've never heard of it, and I don't think any of us here have until absolutely not. No. I started rambling about it, and essentially, it's if you think of Hotline Miami with that sort of overwhelming odds, maybe slightly difficult, like more difficult than your average game type thing. I'm but, intrigued. But instead of the idea of like trying to wipe out an entire level of enemy, it's just survive. It's just complete your objective, get to an evac point, just like, yeah, don't worry about trying to get fan uh, fancy kill combos or, you know, like the most amount of kills you can. It's just going to end up with you being dead, essentially. Um, and that like that's all well and good and that's really fun. However, where the game excels for me personally was these really cool comic book style hand-drawn story uh, storyboard cutscenes where like you know that's where all the story takes place and it's just it's just so endearing and really cool and I love that style and I need to look into who drew those cutscenes because I need to start following them on every social media platform to see what else they're doing does, does it have a sense of humor? Because I get from Lazy Monday's games that they're they're generally pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd say so. I think the main character is definitely your sort of like comedic character. Whereas like quick, uh, quite early on in the game's story, you'll meet like an AI-controlled robot, and they sort of play as more of your straight man. However, they'll still make fun of the main character and sort of poke fun. So like, yeah, it's it's light-hearted while being a game where you're on a space station infested by alien <laughs> like parasites that are trying to kill you. So they're able to juggle that tone quite well and 
the game because this uh, I think because the cutscenes are so different in visual style to the gameplay, it's not so jarring that the tone can shift from like ah I'm away to die any minute because I'm getting overrun by aliens to oh the robots making fun of me. Excellent. So you die and you have the Mickey taken out of you. Well, that sounds perfect gaming material. What platforms and where can people find it? So I got it on Steam, and I got it like ridiculously cheap a wee while ago. It was in one of the sales, and I think it was like sub one pound or something. So I'd say keep an eye out on, um, yeah, add it to your Steam wish list, and you'll definitely pick up. Uh, you'll get definitely get your money's worth out of it. Fantastic! It sounds like a, a decent topic for an article or uh, a feature on the site at some point soon. Um, yeah, keep your eyes open for that one, ladies and gentlemen. And then finally, what what do we have coming up? What can um, our friends and followers expect from us in the next week? Well, over on the YouTube channel, you can always expect um, chatting on Mondays and, of course, our gameplay feature, whether that's an interview or just me messing about with the game. Um, and also, we have two interviews coming up next week as well, so you're getting bonus content because we love you that much. Uh, we have uh, an interview with Playaway, uh, Lucy Holland speaking to us about the upcoming festival, and we have an interview with Edge Scotland, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, Edge Scotland, it's the, the competition which can give you up to £100,000 for a startup business, so certainly something that I think a lot of the studios in Scotland could uh, certainly be doing a little bit more with. Um, Andrew, what do you have yeah. coming from the So on, on my front, um, maybe about a fortnight ago now, we we post a story about uh, Digital Sports Arena, who are a team out of Dundee that are making this new football management game for mobile called Game Day Live. So I spoke to Barry from uh, Digital Sports Arena, so I should have an interview with him going up next week. Fantastic. And as always, if you have any news, updates, releases, anything that you want us to review or look at, you know where to find us. Please get in touch. Um, as always, well, I say as always, we totally forgot to do this last week. Uh, we will have links to all of the stories, all of the companies, everything that we've mentioned in our show notes. And can I just say thank you to all of the people who took the time to leave us a review and give us feedback on episode one of the podcast. Um, you know who you are, you know where you come from, you know how you got in touch, but that's incredibly valuable. We've started to do an awful lot more planning and structuring. It may not be obvious from this particular episode, but we really have. It's um, Your feedback is really important to us and it means that we can cover the topics that you want to hear about and make the podcast and the show and the site better and better on an ongoing basis. So you can find us on the website, scottishgames.net. You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, which Ryan has been picking up and doing wonderful things with. Yeah, and stay tuned uh, to that to see uh, behind the scenes clips uh, on our story. Oh my God, it just gets sexier and sexier. <laughs> Scandalous. <laughs> it's like being a proper media company. Oh, I imagine. Uh, I love it. I love it. And uh, you can track us down as, you know, whatever your preferred platform and channel of choice. God, the alliteration in this episode has oh, just been phenomenal. Off the chain. You're excelling even yourself there, Brian. It's because I haven't actually stopped talking since half past nine this morning. Um, so it is pure caffeine and adrenaline. So I should probably shut up now because I've got yet another call in, in about three minutes. So... Gentlemen, thank you as always. It has been a real pleasure. Uh, I've been Brian Baglow. I will look forward to talking to you guys in the next week.
Yeah, I've been Ryan. You'll see me on the SGN TV YouTube channel. Uh, and I've been Andrew, and you'll see me on the site. Thank you very much indeed, people. You take care out there, and we'll look forward to speaking to you soon.